So welcome to this week's episode of the Rock and Roll Ghost Podcast. This week we have uh, acclaimed actress Melora Walters. You know her from a bunch of Paul Thomas Anderson movies, uh, Boogie Nights, Heart Eight, Magnolia, even in The Master. Uh, and her new film is Hard Luck Love Song, which she's uh, promoting uh, right now. And that's due to come out, I believe, in uh, around October 15th, correct? I don't know. Okay. All right. Perfect. I, I believe that's what I've read, but you know, the state of things nowadays, who the hell knows? Yeah. Uh, how, are you, how are you doing today, Melora? I'm good. I'm, I'm happy to be talking with you. Oh, good. I'm happy to hear that. <laughs> so I love your background. Oh, it's one of my paintings. Oh, is it? Yeah. I wasn't sure what I was looking at. It's, it's, it's cool. Oh, Didn't realize you painted. Yeah. Okay. What kind of, I mean, how long have you been doing that? My whole life, and I, I went to Pratt and studied art, you know, so that's my uh, foundation is based on art. Okay. All right. And uh, have you been, have you done any uh, gallery showings or anything like that? I've shown around like Mary Karnowski's gallery, Jan Baum's gallery, Launch LA, um, and online. Um, I'm not actually associated or represented by a gallery, but, um, I would love to be. <laughs> okay. All right. So, and you've been doing this your whole, your pretty much your whole life then. Yeah. Um, I have an art website. Um, okay. If anyone's interested. Yeah. And I'll, I'll make sure to post a link to, but you can go ahead and give it. It's MeloraWaltersArt.com. Oh, that's but, easy enough to remember. Yeah. But um, I want to I want to ask you. So when you were a food critic, okay, Anthony Bourdain. Oh yeah, I um, I got to interview him a few times. So what was that like? And and did you eat with him? And no, I, no, I got to meet him twice. I I did a years before I I started writing about food in, in earnest. I got I did a book signing. You know, I went to one of his book signings and he signed a book and then. Uh, he was in Chicago filming his last CNN Chicago show and a f he was at a friend's restaurant and the friend posted on Facebook and I was at another restaurant clear across town in Chicago and I was like wrapping up my dinner as fast as possible and I hightailed it over there just to barely as he was about to get out the get out the door I, to barely say hi and to finally introduce myself because at that point we had spoken uh, at least twice. And then we spoke again for the last time when the Chicago show actually came out. Uh, he was, I don't, I've never had too many heroes in my life. He was, he was one of them. Yeah. And it, it took a long time for me to get over that. I yeah. mean, if I, yeah, he, uh, he was an amazing person. Honestly, it was seeing that even though I don't like the, the documentary much, it was seeing the documentary about him that kind of put like put it to rest, put something to rest. I don't know when I'll have the urge to revisit his work again. You know, it's a weird thing. Cause it's like, I was in, I felt like I was in mourning yeah. for several years. And uh, obviously he meant something to you. Yeah. Uh, how so? Well, um, my, I have a son who's into cooking. So my, okay. my son was like very young and, um, went to uh he did a talk at ucla and mm -hmm. and my son went and 
he was like the only kid there, you know? <laughs> and he just had this huge impact on him. And, and even, you know, he was, he was so upset about it. And that, so I got into it through him. He'd be like, watch this episode, watch this, watch this, yeah. you know? And um, I just fell in love with him. And, and I love food and I, I cook. My, my son's working his way up through the, the food industry and okay. because of him. And um, just that it's not just food, it's, it's you know, his, his approach to the world and that, I mean, the world as a whole and food yeah. as, a, as a whole. I mean, I just, and his philosophy of life, you know, I just like, why did he have to die? Like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I, my ex-wife is the one. On the day it happened, I had just gotten up that morning, and she texted me, and I'm like, "What? Like, just like she's got this wrong." There's just there's yeah, because way, that's the way he went. I mean, I figured maybe he died falling off a cliff or something by trying to be a jackass or something, and yeah, you know, something crazy, just or stampeded by a bull or got into some sort of weird conflict with you know warlords or something yes so, yes, yes. <laughs> like because he was getting bolder and bolder in where he would go he, he went to for god's sake he went to iran you know he went back to beirut after being involved in a skirmish in another episode in beirut and uh not a skirmish necessarily but he was present in Beirut when all hell broke loose one time, you know, it's like, and he went back there and he's gone to Libya and, you know, and, and followed around in Russia by probably former KGB agents and all this. You just didn't expect him, but, but now it, 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 with, with just everything I've read about him, you know, post, it's like, oh yeah, he really did focus a lot on suicide, but it was always in a, in a kind of like this, you know, nihilistic kind of, you know, just um, New York pessimistic kind of attitude. And I always thought, well, that's kind of how I look at it. And then I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> like, am I going to have that day? Right. You know? Yeah, it, it, it's, he had a fascinating way. And I think the CNN um, uh, project got him finally to get, to not have everything be about food. It was more about people. Like he, it took him a long time because all his whole life was either about drugs or food or, or movies or books. It wasn't, there wasn't much beyond that because his time was, was narrow. And then he all of a sudden had this career where he could go travel the world. And it's still, the, the focus still was about food, but it slowly became about people. Yes. And to see him be empathetic towards people that even, I mean, for God's sake, he went hunting with Ted Nugent, you know, who couldn't have been the, been more polar opposite of him you know but they found common ground and that's that that was the kind of the beauty of of him yeah that's the thing about him to find common ground and such a such a you know joy in life and the opposites that we all contain and that the world contains and yet he made it seem whole yeah. and so i yeah, yeah, he was—he was a very special man. I would, you know, the 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 weird thing is, like after after the documentary, I I up until then I thought, well, God, I wish I just had more time with him, you know, like I felt like I knew him well, just from the show and then from talking to him a little bit, but I didn't really know him obviously well. Um, 
But then after the documentary, I'm like, God, I was one of those people that was sucking from him, sucking his life from him. And I, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't take, I mean, I didn't feel that for long, but I still felt like I was taking something more from this man when he didn't have more to give because of my wants, you know, it's a weird, it's, it, I get into weird philosophical head spaces about, about how I affect other people sometimes because I've affected people negatively. I'm, like, I'm divorced for God's sake. So I obviously affected somebody negatively. Um, you know, I grew up in a certain way too. So that makes me think of it. So I, I avoided doing certain things that say my father did, but then I ended up making sort of the same sort of mistakes I, I feel in, in some ways. And it's like, you really think about your impact on the world. I don't know, this is very esoteric, but um, you know, it's just that I, I had a, a gnawing sense of guilt after watching the movie that I had taken from this man when he needed he needed to be down. But the, the, the fact is they're, they're, in the movie, they, the one thing that I, I thought was reassuring was the fact that his producers went to him and they said, look, we're ready, we could stop. You know, I don't know if it was in the movie or somewhere else, but we could stop this whole thing. We, you know, just, if you need to stop, we'll stop. We don't care. We need, we want you to be okay. Right. And he never stopped, you know, because he couldn't. He was an, he, there was an addictive behavior. Right. Yeah. So I kind of let those feelings go, but I don't know. It's, it's weird. Um, yeah. So I, where did I get interviewed? <laughs> on the interview show so, so okay but then go ahead but with the with the other people in the food industry do you did you ever have a chance to like come into the kitchen and try this oh for god's sake i had so many I, you know i wasn't actually a critic i was just a writer because i lord knows i don't have i have the palate of a you know of, of some sort of you know troll that lives in a cage i love pretty much anything for the most part. But if you want, if you were going to ask me what wine goes with what, I wouldn't know a damn. I, I know I've had really great wines. I've had great champagne. I've had spectacular high-end food. I've eaten uh, at two of uh, Grant Atkins's, uh, you know, of Alinea in Chicago, you know, three Michelin stars. I haven't eaten there, but I've eaten at two of his other restaurants and I've eaten in the presence of uh, Thomas Keller. And I've met people like um, oh, J uh, Jonathan Waxman and Jose Andres. You know, I've gotten to do so many things. I've been to these amazing tasting dinners with these flights, you know, in Wagyu and, you know, uni and truffles and all sorts of wine. And I've done a lot of cool things, you know, but after a while it, writing about food became really weird because at the time I stopped, it was becoming rather gossipy and silly, I thought, um, in Chicago. Uh, um, I still talk to chefs. I, I just did an interview with um, uh, Curtis Duffy of Ever in Chicago, which is a Michelin star restaurant. And um, he's an amazing chef and an amazing person. Um, and uh, yeah, so yeah, I, the food business is... is a, a really a dazzling place but I, I i like going as low brow as possible and and, and I, I never fit in at high brow places i'm 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 very working class i guess but 
I enjoyed it, you know, nonetheless. I just always felt out of place, like I was an imposter, <laughs> which is interesting. Yeah, that's a whole other thing, but yeah. food is food. Yeah, how about you? Have you ever had any really amazing uh, gourmet experiences? Um, I don't know. I mean, I've eaten in so many different places, you know? Yeah. From holes in the wall to really nice restaurants and, um, in the end, I just love food. So when mm -hmm. something really works, it's just amazing. <laughs> yeah. You're in LA? Yeah. Okay. Uh, one of the best Chicago restaurants here just opened up an outpost there called Girl and the Goat. Oh, write it down. Girl. Write it down. That is, I, I don't know. I don't, I think their menu differs a bit from here, but the chef, she's got four, she won top chef one year. Okay. Um, and, uh, if it's anything like the one here, it's, it's amazing. Okay. So I recommend that at least. And past that, I know nothing about LA cuisine except for like probably, uh, 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 what's the, what's the burger pl place that everybody talk goes straight from the airport to. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. There's a burger, there's a, you know, they've got, you know, supposed to be amazing burgers but then there's pinks and stuff like that but right. I, I don't know much about LA to be honest so I like the holes in the wall places in LA yeah but um the Getty Museum has a restaurant that's okay. amazing and it's seasonal and and it's like literally you want to you know it's presented beautifully everything about yeah. it is beautiful you know and it's the Getty on Sepulveda so the view is insane but the food is so good, you know, you want to like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I've had some of those. I've had some of those dishes where I, you, it, tasting, tasting menus where one bite is so amazing, you wish you could get it again. Yeah, well, you just have to stop. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I have that, I have that problem where like I, when I really taste something spectacular, I really have to stop, slow down and, yeah. and savor the moment because um yeah you don't you don't get those very often hot and fish and, and things like that yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, are you an omnivore or are you yes i eat everything okay you know I mean, in, LA, you, in la you don't know you know so <laughs> i mean uh, i think that i'm not like i don't eat like meat every day and i i'm very conscious of when i eat meat and i think of the animal and I, you know, apologize, but, you know, sometimes I need to eat meat. Yeah, you know, it's not bad. It's not that bad. I mean, I, I get it, though, that we are entering an interesting phase in, in uh, our time with regards, I mean, uh, what was it, Epicurious stopped putting out new uh, recipes for beef um, because of the, um, the environmental impact and People yeah, I mean, about that, you know, but it's like every other beef recipe is still on the site. So who cares? Right. <laughs> I try not to, but then I, I find it does uh, affect me not having it. I know, I know there are nutrients and minerals that can uh, supply you with whatever meat is, you know, meat right. does to you. Um, and, and I guess now with COVID, they're finding that some animals are getting it. And I was thinking um, that's going to have a huge impact. <laughs> I haven't seen, I, I knew that 
they found in instances where some like felines like tigers or or even house cats had it uh which i thank god for having having a dog because it's last last thing i wanted to do is get my dog sick um and luckily how have you been through all this How, how have you and your family and friends been um, my son and daughter are on the East Coast, and, and they've been fine. My, my son and his wife did get it, but survived. Okay. Um, How bad? Um, pretty bad, but not hospital bad. Okay. Um, um, my daughter's fine. Um, I'm fine. I mean, we've all been vaccinated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big discussion as well. And now with the Delta variant, who knows what other variants developing? Well, the good thing is, is that nobody's, I haven't seen anything, although there's a lot of news lately between the hurricane and and Afghanistan, there's a lot of news. So maybe I haven't been seeing it, but so far I haven't, there's a, a, a variant called Lambda in South America, but they've been, the, the word so far is that that's not nearly as strong as Delta. So Delta seems to be the, the persistent one. And I haven't seen anything else popping up anywhere else. So, you know, fingers crossed, this is a lot to work. Yeah, yeah, if I, I'll <laughs> knock on my head. Um, yeah, yeah, no, I, I'm, that's good to hear. That's good to hear. Yeah. Awesome. Did you have any other questions for me? <laughs> Okay. All right. Well, then we could get get into you then. I I appreciate being uh, interviewed a bit, though. That was fun. Um, Well, let's just get into Hard Luck Love Song. How did you come about this role and and what about it spoke to you? I haven't seen the film yet. So um, honestly, this whole interview came about very quick, much quicker than I assumed it would. Um, I mean, I honestly, I, you know, I, I have a little bit of trouble getting actors, quite honestly. Oh. Um, so I'm, I'm very appreciative. Uh, we're, we're getting better. I just talked to Joe Mantegna. Oh, he's so, wonderful. Oh, he is. And you were on Criminal Minds once, weren't you? I think I've been on all of those shows. <laughs> <laughs> they all blur. Yeah, yeah, they're procedurals. But actually, that's a, that's, I was surprised to find out that's a decent one. Oh, Marishka's, Marishka's show. Oh, SVU. Yeah. Yeah, that that was an exceptional experience, and yeah. she's just an exceptional human being and actress. I, I have just the utmost respect for her, and she's such an inspiration. And, yeah. And that particular episode was um, so beautifully orchestrated and so intense. I mean, as an actor, it's very rare that you get stuff that you can, material that you can really really work on and and it was that was like a highlight <laughs> good good yeah that's a that's another one I, I got into very late I ended up binging uh right before the uh, the pandemic I ended up binging the entire series oh my God. uh in like about five months just because I have a little <laughs> bit of obsessive compulsive disorder where I need to just keep going um to the point where I watched so many episodes, I honestly can't, re- I would have to look at the episode to remember which one you were on because there were so many, I look back at that show, there were so many people that became famous afterwards, you know, that were on it, like, you know, in the, in like the early days or middle days or whatever, 
that it's like, oh, wow, there's that guy. And there's, there she is. And oh, wow. You know, it's like, I had no idea these people even did these, these things, but that show has had a lot of big names on it over the years. So I'm not surprised that I, I kind of got lost. I don't even remember hardly anybody, honestly. So I, one day I'll probably just obsessively compulsive watch the whole damn thing again. I'm going to say, well, Hard Luck Love Song. How did how did that come about? Um, I was offered the role and I read it and and I liked the story and the yeah. character was interesting. What what is your character in the movie? She's a bartender. Okay. And it takes place in Nashville? Texas. Texas. Okay, I got that. I one. mean, they didn't shoot in Texas, but it's theoretically in Texas. Like in the Texas. car he drives has Texas plates. Okay. Uh -huh. so. <laughs> Okay, where did you actually film it? Um, the stuff that I worked on was in Long Beach. Oh, well, there you go, California production. Yeah. Odd, odd that is more is more stuff happening in California now with with COVID. You think? I have no idea. I'm not the one to ask that. <laughs> well, this is interesting. <laughs> uh, who who did you have most of your scenes with in the film? Um. Because I know there's a lot of people. Eric Roberts is in it. And yeah, I worked with Eric, and I've worked with him before, and I, and I love him, and he's amazing. And he's like, you know, he just takes his roles, and he makes them real. I mean, he is real. I'm That's exceptional. Like, yeah. he's had this, he has this amazing career nonstop. And, you know, he he's the real thing. Um, yeah. So it's always a gift to work with him. Um, I saw the film yesterday. They let me see a, a screener. I've got to tell you that Dermot Mulroney is in this. Oh, right. He's electric. Oh, cool. He's so incredible that it's like, <laughs> at first yeah. I was like, who is that guy? He's like really frightening. I mean, like, like amazing frightening. And then I was like, that can't be. And it, it was, oh. My, it says my internet's unstable. Do you have me again? Yeah, you're, you're good. Okay, okay so um, <laughs> he's electric. Um, Selenia Rios did the, the wardrobe. So uh -huh. um, um, from the beginning, like her her style, how she dressed me, she's she's incredible. So I hope, I hope they all, um, I mean, Dermot and Eric are famous, but I hope they all become famous. Michael Dorman yeah. is exceptional. Yeah. Um, it's it's really a love, it, I think it boils down to a love story. Yeah. Yeah, Michael Dorman, I forgot uh, until I, I, I looked him up again. He was on a really good show, uh, a show I really like called Patriot on Amazon. He was the lead. And um, I believe he's Australian, something like that. I don't know, but, yeah. but he's so committed to this, role and the, and the camera just follows him and he's just um like he's riveting yeah uh, good looking guy too <laughs> yeah i mean i feel comfortable enough in my uh my my state is to i can definitely say when a guy that guy's just very good looking uh and that that certainly helps uh you know sometimes i suppose too um 
what um what so your overall impression of the film was, was positive then once you saw it are, are, are you know are, and you're in what it what am i gonna say it wasn't i mean uh, i'm here to talk about the film <laughs> no it's um, hell you know weirder things have happened <laughs> really uh, not to me but i've seen people like it do interviews where they say the movie is a piece of crap so uh, <laughs> it's like it's a weird counterintuitive way of promoting but uh i've seen it happen <laughs> usually the people that say it aren't usually in a good spot though. no uh, it's um it's a lovely film it's shot beautifully the cinematography um the trailer is amazing yeah yeah the trailer is what really got me i i I was just scrolling through social media and the trailer came up and that's how I found out a lot, find out about a lot of projects nowadays I find it's just through uh and it's not like somebody a friend posted it's just you know it's unfortunately that weird you know targeting stuff right. and luckily right now my stuff is mostly music films and animal videos so I don't get targeted a lot of bs um which is great I've I've definitely narrowed my focus down to to a few things um what what other things have you been working on i mean you, you're doing your art obviously uh is acting kind of taking a back seat um to some degree no. or you, no no i'm i'm on a show right now i mean it, it had been shot but it's aired called pen 15. oh yeah yeah i've seen that i've seen that so i'm, I'm, I'm in that um um, I guess I can say this because it was announced in Deadline, um, American Gigolo, there, uh, they did a pilot for that and it got- Oh yeah, with, with John Bernthal. Yeah, he's lovely. Okay. And, and yeah. so you're in that as well? Well, I have a small role okay. in, in the pilot. Um, who, you know, you never know how it will unfold, but um, right. it was a really amazing experience to work okay. on that. All right, that's yeah. I, I I was very intrigued when that got announced um, because and then especially that John was doing it. He's somebody I I really like. He did a movie called Sweet Virginia that I really love. It's a very you know very small independent film um, about a very lonely guy at a roadside motel, um, and he's somebody I just love from so many different things. How what was it like working with him? It was amazing, amazing. Yeah absolutely amazing he's like in character and he's you know you're working together and uh he's so smart and he's giving um it was just really lovely experience and um he he's he's amazing i, I watched the wolf of wall street again recently yeah, you know, yeah. And I forgot that he's in it and my favorite scene in that movie is when um you know, he's kind of set up with the, you know, he's supposed to take the money and give the drugs and, um, or something like that. Anyways, right. it's a, an exchange. And it's such a passive aggressive um, move. And he's just standing there like, what, what, what? Yeah. Um, and then, and then he goes down and gets arrested, but it's a brilliant scene on how you get caught off guard. And he does, like he, that's my favorite scene. And his, his reactions, I, he's so good. He's just yeah. so good. He's been, he he's do, been very good in a lot of things. And he can do everything, you know, like, yeah. like he can come across as like, you know, the big 
guy. And yeah. then he had this beautiful sensitivity and vulnerability. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I, want, why I really appreciate Sweet Virginia because that, that was a, a very interesting performance. He's got a bunch of stuff coming up too that uh, he's got another small, like more independent film. And then he's got, he's just, his career right now is on fire. I mean, he's in yeah, the he's, Sopranos prequel and all this other stuff. He's just huge. Um, and he seemed, from what I could tell, he seems like a sweetheart. So, yeah. <laughs> that's cool that's cool um well you know, let me ask you uh, you know just a, a general question you worked on a lot of paul thomas anderson's films what what was it like working with him on on all those i think the first movie i remember noticing you in specifically was was boogie nights i mean there were so many people that movie that it's like they had been working for a while but i just noticed them in, for, for the first time in that movie for some reason like uh I remember just talking to Joe Mantegna about William H. Macy. And the fact is he had been making movies with Joe, movies I had seen, but not really remembered him from until like I saw Boogie Nights, which is weird. And then I go back and I've watched all these things and and there he is, you know? And um, so what was, I mean, cause Paul has become just a legendary director at this point. I mean, he's become one of the top tier people. What what was that experience like throughout throughout those whole uh, those four films? He's um, he is he's a genius. I mean, I read Hard Eight, the script. I remember, and um, I put it down, and I called my agent and said, "I don't care what role I play. I want to work with the man who wrote this." And um, you know, I I got lucky. It was like a gift. He's he's just he's genius. Yeah, and he's very, obviously very loyal because a lot of the same people appear again and again in his, in his movies. I mean, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman was in a bunch of his films. Uh, There's uh, another uh, one where it's like. <gasps> yeah, yeah, yeah. He was somebody I I. It took me a while to appreciate. Um, I think it was because uh, Set of a Woman was the first time I saw him in something. He plays such a jerk. And sometimes when people play a jerk too well, I just kind of pigeonhole them as being like a jerk. And then, but then he all of a sudden, after after Boogie Nights especially, he became like this this huge, you know, presence in film and, and some of his roles, even in films that necessarily aren't amazing, like Charlie Wilson's War, the Tom Hanks movie it's a decent film but he is stellar you know in it and and then he did this a movie set in germany where he played a cia officer that was uh just quite amazing and, and yeah just to see somebody you know destroy themselves you know is sad it is really sad were, were you close with him at all um you made a, a couple of films with him, but that doesn't necessarily yeah. mean that you were close. I mean, I knew him from New York, and um, so again, he's someone I've always admired and respected, and mm. uh, I had no idea. Yeah, and I, people very, usually keep that uh, close. Yeah, um, it's not like I hung out with him, um, but I, you know, I. It would, 
when you're working on a film, you know, there's a, there's connection because there you are working with people. And so I have great admiration for him and yeah. respect. And I think he too is like gifted in that way. That's like, like lightning. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's just too hard to contain. I don't know. Yeah. 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 There are some people that burn brighter than perhaps they can handle. I don't know. Like, you mm. know, these are, I mean, we could have philosophical discussions about right for hours. Yeah, no, no, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I have that, that, you know, like I, I like when I was uh, younger, I was a huge fan of uh, Kurt Cobain and um, you know, when he went that, that took, you know, that tore, you know, something out of me at, at the time. And, um, you know, as you, as you get older and you read more about certain people that have made a impact in, in whatever entertainment or what have you, and who die, you know, before their time, perhaps, uh, you realize how, what their lives were like, what it was really like to be them. And, and, and sometimes it's just too, it's people just can't, can't handle what they're going through. And, you know, they don't, they don't see any other way out, even if they have adoring fans and millions of dollars and none of that matters when you're trapped and you're alone right you know yeah which goes for anybody suffering from that yeah yeah and i mean i've i i could certainly attest that i've been in some dark places before i i i, I feel uh better that i've never been in a place where i've actually contemplated it seriously but, you know, there is this nagging thing that sometimes, you know, has floated through me in, in my whole life. And it's like, yeah, I get it. I get if you sometimes those things just magnify the problems. They don't help them. They actually make everything worse. You know, you think you, people always have the idea, well, if I just get to this point in my life or if I just get this or if I, you know, am, have enough money or, but, you know, it's, it's like it's never it's sometimes never enough or it's never going to fix anything. Right, right. Yeah, no, that's a bummer. Uh, <laughs> uh, what was I gonna, oh, well, who who was who like was uh, one of your favorite co-stars to work with, or who did you learn the most from uh, so far in your career? Learn, Mariska. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Uh, <laughs> Paul and his directing. Yeah. Um, well, what did you specifically learn from Paul? Well, Paul with, I mean, I don't know how he directed anyone else, but with me, he was very specific and quiet. Mm -hmm. So it brought me in a space where everything was very real. Mm -hmm. um, really, you know, I have a really small role in a Ridley Scott film and, and he's similar. And so I, I think I learned most from these uh, men who were really quiet and focused and yeah. like ignore all that, ignore yeah. all that. I'm here with you right. here. You're safe. Go for it. Um, David Hollander on American Gigolo is like that. Um, okay. You know, they, they talk very quietly. And so it's like, 
oh yeah, so everything else goes away and you're just there. And, and when they're gentle, um, you know, and, and like they love their work, what they, you know, yeah. and they're creating and what they've written, then you can fly. You know, it yeah. feels like, oh, okay, I'm, you know, this works. Yeah. Um, um, I, when I got in the actor's studio, Frank Corsaro was the moderator. Okay. And um, he, he really tapped into something with me and, and really pushed me in certain directions that I, I wasn't aware of. Mm -hmm. And so he had an impact. Um, yeah. And well, he, go ahead. I think, though, that based on who I am, you know, and mm -hmm. how I work, um, on any set, I'm, I'm, you know, watching and learning. Um, yeah. Do you feel like the examples you gave of like uh, Ridley and, and Paul and and I, I didn't, I'm sorry, I've already blanked on the the American Gigolo director. That's David uh, Hollander. Oh, my. David first, Hollander. My first. Okay. My first. The, here's what I learned. One of the biggest okay. lessons. Why it was a film I got my SAG card for. Okay. And it was um, um, a Peter Weir film. Okay. okay. At Dead Poet Society. Oh right, yeah. Yeah. So I had never worked with a real director before. I had been doing. Right films for students at NYU, um, Columbia, you know, uh, programs that had film schools or offshoots of film schools or, or at Pratt where I went, you know, these wackadoodles and where I'm literally doing things that are insane and I'm having huge fights with the director because I'm like, I'm not, you want me to submerge myself in a pond in upstate New York and it's March? What are you fucking crazy? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, but it looks so good on screen. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, uh. So I go to this set, Peter Weir and John Seal, the DP, and their brains are in sync. They don't even have to talk to each other. And okay. I'm terrified. I'm thinking, well, if, you know, like NYU director wants to kill me, this is going to be really bad. I'm going to die. Yeah. And I was terrified. Um, so they're filming and, and you know, and I hit the mark, and I do my lines and I think I'm performing properly. You know, I'm doing everything properly. And then the scene ends, but no one has said cut. And I, you know, and the other actor too, we were just like, and Peter <laughs> took me aside and he's like, listen, I wrote this role. I had this idea about this character, okay? But you are more interesting as a human than a character on the page. Yeah. So fill it, fill yeah. it with life, breathe life into it. And as long as that film is running, keep her going i want to see like you use to be real be alive breathe use yourself what would you do and i was like <laughs> you're like handing me like a, a plate of that kind of food where you, you're just like oh yeah and, um that that changed everything 
you know? Yeah. Nothing mattered but focusing on the director, the material, and then just bring it alive, bring it alive because then they can take all the footage and chop cut into whatever they want. Right, right. So, so get everything you can when you have the opportunity. Because that's what they want for, you know, because when you edit, you can completely change everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, so um, that was probably... That seems like it was like your awakening almost. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Uh, well, you think about somebody like Peter doing that where he says he wrote it and, but, you know, go, go with it, go where you feel the character would go uh, versus somebody like Paul, who obviously meticulously writes his scripts at this, especially at this point. Um, even I'm figuring at the Magnolia stage, he wasn't, nobody was telling him no. Um, what, where, what freedom do you have when you're doing a take with him? Okay, here's the thing with him. Like, nobody's gonna say no to him. I don't imagine anyone ever saying no to him because if you read his first script, it's it's magic, okay? Yeah. So he writes in such a way that is so eloquent and so beautiful that you can be, you can become what he wants, you know, mm -hmm. with his guidance. So, um, so it's like within what he has, it's very hard to explain what he has created. So he's created everything the way he's written. So you incorporate it and become it. Okay. Okay. So then you're breathing, but mm -hmm. you know, based on everything he's written, you know, she would do this or that. And you also know, like, the way he works, that he's going to guide you. So yeah. you put yourself, like, tell me, you know, I'm here. Right. You're clay. He's the manipulator of the clay. Whatever you want. Right. Yeah, yeah. Is there any deviation at all allowed when, you know, from, from the script? Uh, or is he pretty strict about, not strict in a negative sense, but strict in terms of, you know, this is the way I wrote it. Don't, don't uh, ad lib. Don't do whatever. He doesn't have to talk like that. I, I've had people, people like that, send the script supervisor in, and she tells you, "You said I'm gonna get coffee. It's written. I'm going to get coffee." And you're like, "Oh my god, right. sorry. Oh my god, I'm so stupid." And then, like, I'm yeah. going to, like, I, I can't say my line because I know I'm gonna say it wrong. He's right. not, that's not who he is. And he doesn't have to be that. And he doesn't have to send someone in to right. tell you you're an idiot. So, <laughs> um, uh, so it's more of just a, you get the script, you know, he's written in a certain way and you, it's more of a respect of, you know, that's the way he wanted it read and you're not it going so to. so long ago. I, you know, like, I can't really remember. Okay. I just know that with him, even mm -hmm. then, or if now he said, okay, you know, I got this role. Um, I just wanted to please him. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to be it. I wanted to uh, embody it. I wanted, I wanted to be what he wanted, what he envisioned, what he wrote, what I thought it was. He's, 
he's something else. Yeah, no, I, I, I get that. And I also get the, um, I also get what you're saying where about, hey, I've, I've got, a, I've got a terrible memory. So like remembering specifics, there are people like my ex-wife can remember everything. And I'm like, she remembered arguments we had and she'd bring, I'm like, what are you, a stenographer? I mean, how, how do I, I all I, I remember how I felt. I don't remember details at all. Like, so, so I would be, I'd be, one, I'd be useless in like, remember if I like took place and part in something like in a remembrance of it, like, so what happened then? I'm like, oh. Or I'd also be useless in case I got involved in some sort of like peripheral level of a crime of like, what he looked like? I'm like, I don't know. I'm just scared. I mean, like, you know, I, I, I'm not the guy to go to for details. So I, I completely understand like not remembering specifics because it's, it, you know, you do a lot of work, you know, you've done a lot of stuff. And then sometimes, you know, the, the, you're talking about a small, finite period of time and remembering um, the, uh, I the just remember, listen, I remember it was magic. Yeah. It was magic. Remember it was more like, how you emotionally connected to it. Yeah. It was the writing him, working with him, rehearsing with him on the set with the people. It's everything I dreamed of. Yeah. The acting should be, um, and I just went into it, you know, like yeah. diving to the bottom of the ocean. Well, it's obvious he he liked working with you because I mean you did you've done four done four films. I mean you're still he's you both have plenty of room for career, you know, more in your career. So, you know, who knows. Were you surprised at how successful Boogie Nights ended up being? I wasn't surprised about him becoming successful, hugely successful. Again, I'm, yeah. I'm like, I'm going to tell you the first script. Yeah. Sydney, part eight. Yeah. Right there. His first script. Right yeah. there. You just, you're holding it and you're like, this is it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's just it. That's who he is. Like, this is it. Ah, this is it. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. I get that. Um, yeah, it's just, it's it's fascinating that, I mean, I, I don't know if somebody could make a film about the pornography business nowadays and, and have it res resonate quite in the same way, perhaps, you know, it's just. But that's because I think he gets he it's not just about pornography it's right. about relationships it's about right. inner struggles it's about you know it's about humans right right <laughs> that that part is that part but in the essence is about this human what yeah. brought this human here why are they here what are they so many tragic about? and flawed people in the in yeah. that film that yeah. create this weird family um, you know, that that's untraditional. But yeah, no, I, I, I just there get is, not, there, yeah. There's no traditional family. There no. is none. Tolstoy no. talks about that. We are all suffering and miserable. Um <laughs> that's um, there will be blood is my favorite Paul Thomas Anderson. Film. Okay. And and Daniel Day Lewis, another like like the first time you see what was Laundrette? Was that his something? That was one of his first ones, yeah. Yeah. Where you're just like I don't know who he is, but that's it. Yeah. Um, so, it, um, 
there will be blood is it's it's a brutal film it's brutal it's brutal but this man lives this brutal life it's a you know this inner machinations like i mean that's how can you not relate to that because we all have we are, all have this crazy inner machination no you know that's true i mean i, I don't think a lot of people want to recognize the the darkness or the brutality within themselves and some people don't want to recognize the light and the humanity within themselves like on the opposite you know end uh i just read a review for a movie that i'm dying to see now it's uh, the new jane campion film with uh benedict cumberbatch called the power of the dog and it sounds like a kind of a there will be blood sort of thing oddly, oddly enough johnny greenwood is doing is doing the score and he did there will be blood as well and uh, it sounds like a very hard, brutal film about uh, a very uh, dark man. Um, and I, after reading the re review, I'm like, oh my God, that sounds, it sounds incredible. It sounds like it's not going to be a fun time, that's for sure, because it, it, <laughs> nothing about it read like, oh, this is it's going to be light and breezy. But, um, you know, those films are necessary, too. Um, it's you know it can't all be it can't all be fluff you know that's for sure. What, what what do you prefer? Do you prefer to go, I guess, grittier or darker, or do you like to mix things up a bit? I just like acting. Yeah, you've got an interesting, interestingly uh, uh, attitude towards towards your profession. It's just it's it seems very pure and and and. Uh, honestly you know just sweet actually which is so you know for somebody that's been in the business as long as you have it's kind of refreshing because so many people get jaded by it you know um you seem to just you still enjoy acting yeah i just like acting i i like uh, like when i audition i and i'm like i don't know if i'm right for this my you know i'll be like well, i know who they should hire and my yeah. manager will always say, stop casting. Like they wanted to see you, you know? So then I'm <laughs> trying like, to get the role. <laughs> yeah, like, um, I'm like, yeah, but if I were casting, I, um, I'll um, i tell you who you should just like make an offer to. Um, yeah. But um, I, so I definitely, you know, struggle and work and try to find it and memorize and da -da. But then once it's like action cut, even if you're auditioning, you know, like say I'm auditioning, you're reading with me. It's like, okay, ready to start? Okay. And then we start. It's just that in between action and cut is um, everything, it's just nothing exists, you know, other than yeah. that. And yeah. I suppose I'm addicted to it. Yeah. And that's what, that's what I do, you know? Yeah. So, well, you do you do art, and you, you you're you're an actor. You know, you're an actor. Um, what about acting spoke to you as a as a younger person? I mean, what what the hell got you into this crazy business to begin with? Um, I've always considered myself an artist, even when I was little. Like my first memories were drawing in the sand, and then later I would write and draw pictures of what happened and 
in one house I drew all over the walls. I don't know how my parents didn't know. Um, when we <laughs> sold the house, they were very upset. Um, and, um, but I wanted to be a ballet dancer. Okay. Yeah, but that was not an option. So, okay. um, so that gets put on hold. And then I'm, I'm in Pratt and um, um, a teacher said that if I turn something into a play, because it was an illustration teacher, Baron's story, if I turn this concept into a play, I never had to do another assignment for the rest of the semester. I thought that would be very easy. It was very difficult. Um, but in the, so I built the sets, I wrote it, I, you know, I had my boyfriend and, and this other guy we lived with, we were performing in it. But I never, I didn't perform until um, the curtain goes up and I'm like, oh yeah, I got to play this part. So because, because I, you know, wrote and painted and that's, who I am, writing and painting and building and this and that. So that, and having worked with these guys, you know, and boyfriend I wanted to kill. Um, when I step on the stage to, to be it, it, it wasn't, um, it, it, it was like a continuation of everything I had done. Mm -hmm. And in illustration class, we were, we were um, we were expected to read this book by Stanislavski, which is like a you know one of the beginnings of trying to make acting real in Russia. This concept, okay. yeah. And the teacher that I was studying with said wanted us to read these acting books because how you pose the model, you know, um, I'm relaying emotion to you. So I'd also had that, you know, cause I'd been studying and I suddenly realized that I had not only painted it, acting, even though I had no lines, acting, physically acting was be, being the painting, being the painter, and, and watching the painting unfold all at the same time. Mm. And so for me, it was the ultimate art form because you're in it. And yet, as with a painting, you know, we watch actors. You can't, you can't watch a movie and go, okay, so I'm gonna read you know, and listen, you, you can't, like you, you right. have to watch. So it's like you're watching a moving painting, like the Moybridge, the first like concept of photographs to show movement, you, you're watching. Um, so I thought as an actor, it's like the ultimate art form, like you're it, how, how more in it could, you know, like, could you be? Yeah. Um, you're still yourself and yet you, you know, you put on this and you this and then you have these lines and that forces you to, I mean, it's everything. So um, that's not really the acting business, but that's well, where I came from. Well, that's where it, 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 it planted the seed that, yeah. that grew. 
And it, it's amazing because you were the way you were talking about that you wrote it, you designed and painted, and you weren't really prepared for the acting part, but that you didn't think you spent enough time on the acting part. But what it seems to me is that everything you did um, Im imbued itself into you to do the role regardless. It's like you were you were doing the preparation without even realizing you were doing the preparation. Exactly, exactly. And then, you know, I was like, oh, I'm gonna audition for things. You know, in those days you got backstage in New York. Mm -hmm. And so I auditioned, you know, and it's like, you gotta memorize a monologue. I'm like, okay, well, I have always loved Tennessee Williams. So I memorized this mo monologue from Streetcar Named Desire, Blanche. Okay. And I go into this tiny bar Lower East Side in the day, it's like crap, you know, it stinks, tiny stage and these spotlights. It was probably at like a stripper bar. And, but I'm taking it seriously because I'm gonna be an actor. And um, they're like, okay, do your monologue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, and I start to do this monologue. And then, and then uh, again, I have always loved writers. Okay, mm -hmm. so Tennessee Williams, like first time I read him, he got my heart, soul. So I'm reading this and suddenly like I'm feeling it. And then the light is so bright in my eye that something happens where I'm distracted, but I'm saying the lines and I start crying. Mm -hmm. I, I just thought you memorized monologue. I start crying, it slows me down, something happens. And it ends and they're, they're sitting there like, oh my God, you've got to come back tomorrow for the other guys to see you. Oh I God. didn't because then I knew I couldn't recreate that. That's what acting is. Like you, part, part of the acting thing, you have to be able to recreate it. And I was right. like, I don't know how it, ha like I can't like look at the light and wait for it to, you know, yeah. like, so that's when I became, it became serious. Okay, I get it. So you, you took more attention to the craft of it. The craft so, of it, because able, how yeah. do you repeat something over and over, like, or give it a different take or bring, bring another emotion on demand? Mm -hmm. um, I guess that's the craft. I don't know. You know what? I don't know what I'm talking about. I know well, you, nothing about you sound like You sound like you know what you're talking about. I, I, I quit. <laughs> Does it make me realize I'm just blabbering and I don't know jack shit? <laughs> I think you. I think I think you were making a point, whether you realize it or not. I, I think I think you were doing fine. Mm -hmm. uh, well, let me ask you is something different because I mean we've been talking for a while, so I, I figure we'll probably try to wrap it up here. But it's been awesome talking. I I, I could feel like I could do this for a while. Um, <laughs> what? What other things besides painting and, and acting, which are painting is, you know, an extension of yourself and acting is to some extent you're, you know, is as much a passion as it is a job. What other things, um, you know, bring you joy outside of those two things? Um, well, you know, I write. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I've made two films. Um, yeah, you directed 
one. Drowning. I'm, I'm proud of Drowning and, and a short I did called The News. And I've written several scripts and, and I'm trying to get them made. Mm -hmm. um, I have two kids, you know, that's, that's been. Um, yeah. 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 I've got a, I've got a 30 year old actually. And uh, so yeah, kids are, kids can be amazing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it changes your life. It changes yeah. your whole life. I, I love them unconditionally. Yeah. I mean, it's, I can get mad, but I love them. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, there've been plenty of times I've been mad at my son for different things, but you know, I, I still love him to death. Uh, is it hard having them be on the East Coast with you being on the West Coast, especially these days? Well, with the virus, it was hard. I, I went to see them in June and I hadn't seen them for about a year and three months. Um, uh, what I love about my kids is that they're really independent and they're on their own path. Mm -hmm. um, um, I really respect them for that and admire them and... Um, like, you know, we talk all the time, but because of the virus, you know, uh, they were concerned about traveling. They were concerned about me traveling if I hadn't been vaccinated or if I was going to, and they hadn't been, and I was going to bring it to them. And um, Yeah, no, it's understandable concerns. So I kind of have been wondering if I want to move back to New York now that you ask that question. Okay. Is it, do you think that's going to be a difficult decision? No. No. I mean, it'll happen when it happens. How long have you been in LA? Too long. Yeah. To the point where you don't, you're not sure if you even like being there anymore. Um, I don't, I don't know. You know, I have a love hate relationship with LA. Well, I, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. When I write scripts, most of them are based in LA because mm -hmm. it has. Uh, such a distinct, um, it's, it's, a, it's a character. Um, right. I, I love, um, one of the first things that I fell in love with coming here was Dia de los Muertos and the connection to Frida Kahlo and all of that. Right. Um, I, I love that it's, that very few people are from here, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but I, I shot in Alaska once. So that's okay. about as far west as you can go. Yeah. Sometimes I want to move to Alaska. Well, that's I interesting. <laughs> I, I don't think I can handle that myself. I've, I've actually been considering moving to New Orleans, but then this hurricane kind of freaked me out a bit. So I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, the idea of going somewhere else is, is an exciting proposition, I can imagine. Uh, you, you, I know that you were born in Saudi Arabia. What, what were your parents doing that you were born in Saudi Arabia? At that they had sex there and nine months later I was born. So it wasn't like they, he had a consulate job or anything. Um, he had been in the military uh -huh. and then he worked for an oil company. Okay. And Makes he sense. married my mother and she lived with him because they were married. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And so there was a, a deal with the consulate, you know, and everything where yeah. um, American children born of American parents, even though on uh, international foreign ground, are immediately American citizens. Right, right, right. 
So my, my parents were both um, American citizens and okay. both had had um, people fighting in like World War One, and my mother had people fighting from the beginning of time. Okay, <laughs> interesting. And how, I mean, did you spend any kind of time there? I spent my first three years there and then we moved to Holland and then I went back like second or third grade through ninth grade because wow. the educational facilities at that point in those days ended then and then you were sent to boarding school, American boarding school, um, like um, American education. Right, um, right. Um, so yeah, formative years, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I, I have to. I mean, you had a very different uh, growing up than than most people because you didn't spend a ton of time in America. No, um, um, I but, and also Holland and Saudi Arabia are completely polar opposites. Oh, uh, for sure. Nature, geology, um, just everything is opposite. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, what was it like living? Do you re, what do you recall about living in Holland? Um, my stepmother was Dutch. Okay. And her mother was actually a World War One uh, war orphan from Belgium. Okay. And she um, was basically my mother, my Oma. Yeah. And um, I it I I loved it. I, yeah. I love my Oma. I, I could start crying. Like I, 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 I loved her so much. Yeah. When you, when, you when you finally moved to America though, what culturally, how, how jarring was that? Because you know, um, it was, it was jarring. Like my father's people are from Northwestern Arkansas and they're German immigrants. And so okay. my grandparents were farmers like in Northwestern Arkansas in the mountains, mm -hmm. like, for real farmers yeah that's how they survived right farmers like they work the land i i have farmers in my in my uh bloodline too on my okay, dad's side so, germans as well yeah so they work the land they didn't hire people like right. they work the land but and you know german catholic um escaping religious persecution with unifying germany at the time um so my concept of America was this house in the middle of mountains and going to mass in the morning and, and evening and working, you know, like I spent a few summers um, on the farm. And, but that's not America, okay? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I went to boarding school north of Chicago. Oh, interesting. <laughs> and, uh, I guess I was 14 or 15 and all of these girls had their hair done and they had makeup and they had heels and they had the thing. And <laughs> I'm dressed like an idiot and, and everybody's so fast, fast, yeah. fast, fast. And I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think my culture shock was that it's so fast here yeah fast and aggressive and i knew i mean we all know growing up competition but like yeah. hardcore competition 
And I was yeah. like, oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and they all thought I was half Arab because, you know, my hair is naturally dark in the shape of my eyes and I can get very um, tan. Right. So they're like, you know, think I'm half Arab. Also the fact that they must have thought I didn't speak English because I was just like. Quiet. <laughs> <laughs> where where in north is, is Chicago? Uh, do you remember the, the town? Great Forest Academy. Oh yeah, yeah. I used to I used to live up near there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's a that wow. That's a that's a it's a pretty impressive area, actually. So your dad was in the oil business the whole time? It had to be pretty pretty interesting for him moving all around all over the place. Very intense. Yeah, yeah. Not so, very welcome, you know? What's that? Not very welcoming. No, no. Also, get uprooting yourself all the time. You know, just has to be difficult. Uh, but when you decided to become an actor, you moved to New York first. Um, I, I was in high school. Uh, the art teacher was like, "You're really gifted, and you should go to art school. And if, if you want to make it as an artist, you got to go to New York." Yeah. So I did. Yeah. That was another culture shock. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can't. I, I, you know, honestly, I've never even been to New York and I can imagine it, it when I finally do get there, it's going to be, uh, you know, Chicago is, is, is literally secondary in terms of overwhelming from what I can gather of what New York city is. Um, and I just know that I'm in for extreme culture shock when I go there. Cause anywhere else I've been has been smaller places, New Orleans or Vegas or, St. Louis or wherever, you know, it hasn't been, it hasn't been something I, I was at, I went to London when I was a kid, but that was so long ago that I can't really remember how I, how I felt. Um, but New York is, it seems like something other. But it, it's constantly changing. Like it's, I, I was there in June, it, um, you know, but everything right now is changing. Yeah. 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 The cultural yes. climate, like, you know, we're we're in some really interesting times, that's for sure. And there, a lot of how we do everything has changed so dramatically, and it's not done changing either because we're not done with with this. And um, yeah, I I think one reason why people are so anxious right now is because we don't know when this is going to end, and we don't know what we're going to look like when we come out of it, and and what what does our reality look like when we're done you know when this finally runs its course or is there another worse one around the corner which is another horrifying or the environment oh my god i'm just getting into a dark place <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> this is this is how my mind works i just kind of go down a rabbit hole of, of weirdness um well is there anything i'm missing that we should just we should discuss you think i i think we've covered an awful lot and uh you know, we, we, you got to interview me, which was, you know, unique uh, for me, maybe not so much for you, but uh, <laughs> it was unique for me, I, at least. Um, you know, is there anything else that I, I, we haven't talked about that might be on the horizon that we need to discuss? We talked about American Gigolo. Uh, we talked about uh, uh, Hard Luck Love Song, which was the main reason we were both here today, <laughs> which is out 
Uh, I'm going to say October 15th, but it will, the, the show will air in tandem with its release. So, um, yeah, we're fine with you not knowing. Uh, I, 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 I do my job and then I leave. Right, right. You're not, you're not a producer on it. You're not, you're not the writer. You're not the director. I get, no, I get, there's a certain different set of circumstances for, and you're not the lead. So you're not, you're not burdened with having the whole thing on your shoulders either. You, you have the role and you move on. Yeah. Um, well, I think that's a good, a good spot to end on. I, I, I gotta say this has been one of the most interesting conversations I've had because it, it I didn't have any frame of reference in my mind and how this would go. Um, I gotta say, I haven't seen you interviewed, I don't think before, so I didn't know what to expect. And uh, this has been a, a, a real pleasure, actually. It's been oh, a real pleasure you. talking to you. Yeah. It was a pleasure um, talking to you. I appreciate that too. Yeah, thank you. And I, I wish you good luck uh, going forward and, and good luck if you decide to move to New York and you. you know be reunited with your children. That would probably be a great thing. Uh, get the hell out of LA, you know, <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you again for taking the time. And, and like I said, I wish you, you know, health and, and happiness and, and all the all the best. And I, you. <laughs> thank you very much. Well, you have a great rest of your day, okay? Okay, you too. Thank you. All right, bye. Bye.